Well, this morning, I want to look at the question, what kind of person follows Jesus? Six years ago, I started a small group, third through fifth graders, and for the last couple months, we've been looking at this question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What is the kind of person that you would see follow Jesus? And I think, for the, I think the best place for us to start this morning is to actually look at the people who physically, mentally, and emotionally were with Jesus for three and a half years. They talked with Jesus every day. They ate with Jesus every day. When Jesus wanted to go to bed, they went to bed. When Jesus wanted to get up and run, they ran with Jesus. And so for my first point this morning, you will know if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are committed to your dysfunction. Out of all 12 disciples, I think I best relate to Peter. Whew. He has a bit of an anger problem. He's overzealous. Oftentimes, he puts his foot in his mouth. He, uh, he was in, in ownership with his parents in a fishing company. And we see that as he continues to walk with Jesus, his anger gets the best of him. First of all, he cuts a man's ear off, trying to protect Jesus. Does God need any protection? He's God. Like Peter, calm down. Jesus, he can handle himself, right? And then his anger leads to more, and he ends up betraying Jesus three times. In John chapter 21, we see Jesus appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. We're starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. Now that they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. I want to interject this. We see Peter. After Jesus' death, he left his calling. When Jesus, three and a half years ago, said, Peter, drop those nets. Instead of fishing for fish, I want you to fish for men. And that's what he did for three and a half years. But see, what happened is what his anger got the best of him. He denied Jesus three times. He was so sad. He was so lonely. He was so angry at himself that he gave up his calling and started working for his dad again. And I interject this. Praise God for Johns, right? For friends, true friends that did not, John was at, at the death of Jesus. 
Jesus is gone. Where does John go? John sees a need. John sees that Peter needs a friend. Despite Peter's dysfunction, despite G- Peter leaving his calling, John is there. So I praise God for, for a friend like Pastor Gary and a friend like Pastor Nick and Pastor Zach, that despite wherever we're at, we don't leave each other. We all need one. Can I hear an amen for, some, for you, those that have a friend that will be there for you, even amidst your dysfunction? So he leaves his calling. See, this is what Jesus does, though. He allows us to get to this low, to go to the lowest point. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been where Peter's been? You can't take it any longer. You want to just throw in the towel. You just want to quit. See, I think we have, all of us, we have to go through something like this. We have, we have to, we have to, not just see it, we have to actually experience it. And when we experience it, when we're so low and we, we can't handle ourselves anymore, we actually start hating our dysfunction. Hating, hate is a strong word. It's a strong word. But I, I think, how else are we going to change? How else, our dysfunction, how can we change? We got we to gotta hate it. Personal illustration, 12 years ago I was called into ministry. And... I wanted to be an intern under Pastor Gary. I didn't know that, what all that would entail. Wow. Whew. It's been a long time. The first, the, the first thing he said to me was, if you're going to be an intern, you're going to stop talking. I thought, what? That's all I do. Like, that's how I lived in my life. Like, that's how I manipulated people. That's how I made myself feel better than other people. And now I have to stop that? I remember within the first couple months, I just said, okay, I got to hate this. I can't talk anymore. Stop talking, Aaron. Stop talking. And for some of you, you know I'm still trying to stop talking. Don't give up on me. (laughs) Or what about this? It's a new year, new resolutions. How many of you are hitting the gym or hitting a new diet? Yeah, all right. So this week, I got something in the mail. It was a package. I didn't order anything. And no, no smart wool socks. Or, um, but this was in the, opened it, and I'm like, well, what are these containers? I mean, look at how, look how small these containers are, right? You see these containers? you see how small they are? They're my wife's. She's on a new 21-day eating kick, right? And I'm thinking, well, you can fit maybe like a quarter of a chicken breast in here. And she's like, honey, you want to do this with me? And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do this with you. Look at you can, look at this. How are, how is somebody supposed to survive on something like this? I mean, this might last well, for, for our staff when we go to like Pizza Hut. I, I, we couldn't eat, you, there's no possible way. I think we all want to feel better, right? The problem is, is this. It's like, it's temporary. Like, you, do you really hate the fact that you don't feel good? Do you really hate the fact that you look, if you don't like yourself in the mirror, do you really hate it enough that you're willing to do something to change? You have to ask yourself that. That's, re- that's really tough. Or what about anger? This is for me. This is so powerful. This is not original, but it, like, hit me all oh, between the eyes this week. I don't hate... I have an anger problem, but I don't hate it. I actually love it. Ask my wife sometimes. 
No, seriously, like, how many of you have an anger problem? You like it because you can control situations. You can make people do something for you, especially at home. Yeah, I like what it does to me, but what does it do for me? I'm not thinking long term. I'm not thinking five to 10 years out, 15 to 20 years out. When my little boy, Honor, my little girl, Mercy, they grow up, will they want to be around a man that is angry all the time? No, they won't. They won't want to be around someone that that is angry. I got to hate it enough. I got to hate what it does, what it produces so much that I'm, I'm willing to do anything to change it. It's funny, on our, on our way to lunch to McDonald's yesterday, Nick asks Vince, who, Vince, you out there? Oh, yeah, he's out there, all right. <laughs> he, um, Nick goes, so, <laughs> he's an amazing helper. He's, he's the Hulk, and I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> he, he, um, Nick asks him, so what, what were you like when you were our age? You know, we were, we were, you know, Nick's like, I was a reprobate before. You know, we all were. And Nick, and Vince laughs. It's, oh, it's so funny. When you work with him all the time, the laugh is hilarious. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was a reprobate. And I'm thinking, but God called Vince to be here. Right, Vince? Yeah. Rock Church. Did you get saved at the Rock Church? Yes. Right? Because this is what God does. He qualifies you to be a follower of Jesus. He's not a disqualifier. The second sign that you are a follower of Jesus is when you are committed to the impossible. How many of you have set out to accomplish a dream too big for you? Anybody? Anybody have a dream? It's in your heart, right? But you have no earthly idea on how it's going to happen. Maybe it's a business venture. Maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe it's, it's a family reconciliation. Or it's a set of values that you want to instill into your kids against all odds. Or maybe it's a relationship that you desperately desire. You can't. What's the answer? You want it. How are you going to get it? Enter Joshua, an Old Testament hero. You remember Joshua? He's a war hero. How many of you like war movies? I'm thinking Joshua's like Mel Gibson in Braveheart. How many of you like that movie? That movie's amazing. It's incredible. I love it. Right, he's best known for being Moses' assistant and general. He was part of the reconnaissance mission where Moses sent 12 spies to spy out the, the land of Canaan that, the, that God had promised to them. And on their way back, only two out of the 12 spies came back with positive news saying, we got this land, let's go, let's take it. And I want to read this. I forgot to get it up on the screen. This is in the Bible, Numbers 14, 9 through 10. Even though it's not up on the screen, I promise this is right from the Bible. It says this. Moses says to the people, Do not fear that there are giants in the land, for they are bred to us. Their protection will be removed from them by the Lord. Then the congregation, all two million of them, grabbed stones, and were ready to stone them. Can I just pause for a second? Think about this. For 40 years, you had the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness, 
wandering, but they see these miracles. They see the Red Sea part. They see this bitter water turn into sweet water. They see quail and manna fall from heaven. They, they see water coming out of a rock. They see all these miracles, and they're right at the precipice of getting into this beautiful land, and they want to kill the very people that want to take them in. Can you understand this? I, I, it, it's, it's so hard for me to understand. And I wrote this. What seemed impossible for them to accomplish was exactly what God wanted to accomplish for them. What even bothers me more is Moses dies. Guess who becomes the successor? Joshua, Joshua, what are you doing? They want to kill you. Oh my goodness, you got 40 more years now in the desert. You actually are going to live with these people? You're going to do life with the very people that had stones and we're going to throw them at you? Is that love? Is that unconditional love? Holy cows, I can't even handle it. It, like, it, like, it, it, it nerves me to think that, Joshua, you had such character. To stay with these people. Whew. So as the chapter opens in Joshua 10, we read that five opposing Amorite armies were planning to attack. Having decided to strike first, Joshua leads his entire army toward the Amorites on an all-night mission. Sometime during the march, God spoke to Joshua. He said this, Joshua 10:8, Do not be afraid, Joshua. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be held, will be able to withstand you. Well, that's pretty confident, isn't it? When you have God telling you this? So when the enemy lines broke and the Amorites started to flee into the valley, Joshua's men chased them down. Then God gets personally involved. How many of you love it when God gets personally involved into your life? When you have a need, he meets that need. Huh? Joshua 10, 11, as they fled before Israel, the account reads this. The Lord hurls large hailstones down on them from the sky. Well, that helps, doesn't it? <laughs> then as the sun sank toward the horizon, Joshua faced a decision. The victory wasn't complete, and once it gets dark, the Amorites would be able to slip away in the cover of darkness. So Joshua had to be thinking, okay, God says that he's going to give them over. We're, 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 we're almost in Canaan, right? We're almost there. Maybe we should just take a time out. Maybe we should just take a breather. You know, we've been fighting all day, and we, you know, we, need, a, we need a break. After all, oh, God said he would, you know, he'd give them into our hand. I think most of us would quit. I think I would have quit. I would have said, hey, it's a good day. Let's pack up. Let's, let's get cleaned up. But Joshua wasn't most people. He sized up the situation, and he prayed this. And, and I want you to think about this. The prayer that he prays isn't just some prayer that he all of a sudden came up with. No, this was years of steadfast devotion and following the calling on his life. Whew! O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. He actually asks for the sun to stand still. That's a bold prayer, isn't it? Scientifically speaking, is that possible? But with God, exactly. Anything is possible. 
Joshua 10, 13 through 14. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. His own family had rocks in their hands, relatives. But he stuck it out for 40 years, and he got to enter the promised land. He brought a people that were living from hand-to-mouth migrants to people that were prospering. That's powerful. Whew. But see, that's the thing. Like the same God that raised his son from death to life is the same God that did this. But that same God lives inside of us, amen? Right? So whatever we think is impossible is possible with God. I think it's happening here at the Rock Church. We get to move into a new home. Huh? The third sign that you are a follower of Jesus is if you are committed to divine interruptions. I think it's, oh my gosh, praise God. Praise God we got a home where we have a home, all walks of life. Because I think this is what happens in our culture. And I thank, I thank Pastor for, for sharing his wisdom with us because we get so accustomed to living and preferring to live with people that are like us, that, that live in the same neighborhood. Uh, we like to associate people who look like us and who talk like us. But God wants us to be with everyone. God is for the least of these. Is he not? I want, to, I want us to look at this story in the Bible where a divine interruption for three guys, for three guys who bump into Jesus. Come on. When you bump into Jesus, there's going to be a divine interruption because guess who's the, the source of that divine interruption? It's Jesus. Luke 9, 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I don't have a home, Jesus says. Well, let's go back seven months, right, guys? Did we have a home when we got that, that notification in the mail? You need to be out of the office in 11 days. We were a little, I, I was scared. I was like, okay, hang on a second. Who's the Aiken in the camp? Is this like, is this Ed? Ed, are you sinning? Like, why are we, are these the consequences, Ed? No, we didn't have anywhere to go. We did not have a home, and you guys did not give up on us. Praise God. Thank you. We stayed together. Amen. Because if Jesus doesn't have a home, and he can still make followers of Jesus, and he can still proclaim the, the gospel, then we can too without a home. Amen. Because a home is not four walls. We are home. Right? And the second one, let me say my farewell to my dad. He's dead. I, I, need, to, I need to get some funeral arrangements. I... I got to do the, the ceremony. I got to bury him. And then, and then Jesus, then, then I'll follow him. That, 
that seems respectable, right? That, 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 this, this potential follower of Jesus, he's not asking for too much, is he? He just wants to bury his dead. But see, in the Jewish context, for this, this man, it would be his highest obligation to do the funeral service for his mother or his father. And only, he could only be exempt if the high priest said, no, it's okay, you don't, you don't have to do it. Only the high priest. And so what Jesus is saying to this man is, I'm higher than the law. I'm greater than the law. We got a message. We got to get going so that man doesn't follow Jesus. And the third, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to my mom. Following Jesus is not stagnant. It's a movement. It's always going forward. Jesus doesn't want us to look backwards. He does not want us to look backwards. I think sometimes it's good, but we got to stay focused on there are people in Granville, there are people in Wyoming that need Jesus, that need to hear the gospel of Jesus, that need to be saved, that need to feel the love and the warmth of a Savior who gave everything for us so that we could do the same for others. That's why Jesus doesn't want us to look back. You don't need to say goodbye. My kingdom is more important than, than you saying goodbye. Oh, man, the gospel it addresses, it doesn't avoid. I ask you, where, where are you going? And where is Jesus going? Peter said this, if you watch how I live, you're watching Jesus. If you follow me, this is Paul saying this, if you follow me, you're following Jesus. Man, did I have a divine interruption this week. I, it's, this morning was so emotional because we've been so busy and we're working late and we're so excited. And just God just brought me to tears this morning while I heard the praise band singing. Last time, pastor asked me to, to preach. I had to take my father-in-law to a, a consultation visit. He has cancer in his prostate. What do I get? I get another phone call Thursday morning from my, my mom. Um, I didn't know this, but she said that my, my father had his prostate out two years ago, and I, I didn't even hear about it. They didn't even share with me. Well, he had a checkup this past week, and they found malignant cancer. They don't know exactly where, and so they didn't stop it when they took the prostate out. I said to God, actually this morning, I said, I don't know if I ever want to preach again. So what next is going to happen? But at the same time, what Pastor was saying about what is happening in this church, the movement, this is a movement of God that is happening at the Rock Church. I promise you, people are changing. Lives are being saved. Yeah. And I think, no, God, this, 
I love my dad. I'm praying for my dad. I will find out Tuesday where exactly it is. And you want to talk about about believing and committed to the impossible? I am committed that there will be reconciliation between my family and there will be reconciliation to any anybody that you, you have ought towards because that's what God would want. Playing it safe, it's one of the greatest illusions to human existence. It really is. In closing, I, whether it's, it's 40 years of wandering in the desert, or whether it's three and a half years of following Jesus, there is no time with God. He just wants you. That's all he wants. He wants your heart. He's ready for you. God, let's pray. God, I'm praying right now that your, your spirit would move in people's hearts. God, that our church, when we move in two weeks, it won't just be about a building, but it'll be about your spirit. And it'll be about making disciples of Jesus. And people will understand that your love is so amazing. And that you always take us back. That God, you can, anyone can dream. That there are no disqualifications with you, Jesus. You always, you hunger and you, you thirst after us. God, you go to that person now. Who needs you. hard to always see the long arm of God reaching to us to be willing to wait 40 years to be proven to be right like Joshua had to do it's not easy sometimes in the meantime things happen Peter was following Jesus all of the examples this morning proved to us he never lets go he never lets go he never stops loving us you know it's true somebody has come today that thinks that something's wrong with you. Because God hasn't reached out to you and there's been no vindication. But he never moved. You gotta hang on. You have to hang on. You gotta be so committed not to turning back. Because God said, you, you, can't, you can't put your hand to the plow expect God to bless you when you've left him I always think in terms of I don't want to become my dad sitting in a nursing home at 92 years old and nobody comes to see him because he invested in everything but what was important 
He didn't invest in the kingdom of God. He didn't worry that his kids and his grandkids would know Jesus. And somehow, by the grace of God, he held on to me. And I held on to him by, by the tails, by the coattails. And so I can relate to every person in the room who wonders where God is. Sometimes, even in the middle of it all, bad things happen. Terrible things happen. And you're, you're really doubting where you're at. God is saying, don't let go. I have never stopped loving you. Never stopped loving you. Never, ever, 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 never in the lonely hours of the night when you wake up worried and wondering where God is because it didn't turn out like you thought it was going to in your marriage or with your kids or with your parents or, or with your addictive behavior. When Aaron's first point came up, I thought, I don't understand this. Be committed to my, my addiction or my whatever it is, dysfunction. Be committed to overcoming it, right? Through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Only through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, right? You have the power of Jesus' name. You speak the name of Jesus, I guarantee you. You speak the name of Jesus and the demons run. He wants our kids, he wants our marriages, he wants our lives, he wants you dead in discouragement. I told Jamie Trestiati, I told you this this morning, on the way to church, did I not, Becky, say, God spoke to me and said to pray for Jamie Trestiati, right? I saw Jamie walk in and I thought, oh, you love Jamie, God. You don't think God loves you. I'm not even looking out there. You don't think God loves you. Yes, he does. He's recklessly in love with you. When I heard that Aaron's father had cancer, I thought, both fathers. I thought, I'm 65 years old. Prostate cancer is common among people my age. I would not wish that on anyone. But it tells us this. Life is a vapor. Live for God. Make, make things right with other people, right? Love Jesus, love your family, love your spouse, love your kids. Embrace them. Don't waste a second because Jesus loves you. Yes. No new building will satisfy us. Only the power of the Holy Spirit in that place will satisfy us. And that's what Dirk was saying. Dirk is a light for Jesus. I had to change banks to Lake Michigan Credit Union, and it's a busy place. Everybody in that place, through Kelsey, Alex, and Dirk, in that particular branch, and then through Ryan being a branch manager, they all know about Rock Church. We got some super evangelists in those places that are in love with Jesus. And you think, I honestly believe this, that most of the people in there think, I need the hope that they have. Their hope is not built on anything less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, right? We give you praise this morning, God. As a people of God, how about a major shout to God? Yes, because God, you are great. I was thinking as Aaron was preaching, I want him to become a great preacher. Don't you? Because he's going to far outlive me, most likely. I've seen such a change in that young man and in many others in this place. 
And I praise God. I hope that his parents listen to this. As I say, I think he's one of the finest young men that I've ever met in my entire life. So God, we give you thanks. Even, even when we think, wow, God, did I make any sense to anyone today? I'm positive that somebody was touched this day in this service. God, you be praised.